Let it wash over me. I'm ready to lose my feet. Take me off to the place where one reviews life's mystery. Steady on down the line. Lose every sense of time. Take it all in and wake up. That's one part of me. Day to day, I'm blind to see and find how far to go. Everybody got the reason. Hello and welcome to The Political Penny. I am one of your co-hosts, Jensen Ahokovi. And I'm your other co-host, Vincent Jones. Thanks for joining us here today on episode three of The Political Penny, Gun Control. But before you go ahead and listen to us talk, don't forget to subscribe and listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And also be sure to visit our website, politicalpenny.com, and be sure to scroll down and subscribe to receive weekly news and updates about our podcast. All right, guys, thanks for listening as always to the podcast. Um, quick apology, guys. We were supposed to release this episode last week on February 5th, but we, we ran into some unexpected delays. Yeah, uh, you the, know, the Super Bowl was on. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, the life of a student is also very hectic. Uh, you know, we had a lot of tests and stuff, but uh, hopefully. Uh, that will be the first and the last time yeah, we will ever miss. At least for a while. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, let's go ahead and jump right into things. Vincent, how was your day? It was really good, man. The 76ers got a well-deserved win. And, you know, after the big trade deadline, things are looking up. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, for those of you out there who don't know, but uh, Vincent is uh, a crazy fan for all teams Philly. Yep. Uh, Eagles fan, 76ers fan. What other teams do you like? Uh, I mean, I'm not a big baseball guy, but if the Phillies were doing good, you know, I'd be there supporting oh. <laughs> them. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I could definitely see that. Let's see what's going on in the United States. Uh, the State of the Union. State of the Union happened, uh, what, last week, Thursday? Yeah. Was it? Oh, was it? Was it Thursday? I believe it was last week, but sometime last yeah, week. It was pretty recent. Uh, Personally, very, <laughs> I felt very patriotic. Jensen uh, texted me after the State of the Union address. He was like, man, Vince, I feel so patriotic right now. No. Like, <laughs> for sh- hey, I thought that that was a very, very well put speech by President Trump. And I could go as far to say that I think that speech just helped him win re-election. Oh, my gosh. That's a really big claim right there. No, I'm, you know, he, he did touch on a lot of big issues. He yeah. touched on immigration, of course. Talk, he touched on the Venezuelan situation and uh, the the rise of socialism in but the it's U.S. it's nothing. I have in my notes I, under, I put meh and whatever. Because, <laughs> you know, it's nothing new. You know, I think we all knew what he was going to say. I know exactly Nothing caught me by surprise. I just thought it was more funny to see the drama with Nancy uh, Pelosi. Especially, especially that slow zoom oh, on Bernie God. Sanders' face when mm. Trump said that America will never be a socialist country. Oh, no. man. <laughs> Bernie. It's hard to Ooh. take lies, that's why. Yeah. Oh, I'm... Okay. <laughs> I'm sure um, it is. I'm sure it is. That was the talk of last week, so I think we're past uh, that. Also, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, the... Re- the representative from the Bronx in New York just uh, announced her Green New Deal as of yesterday, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Vincent, I just, what do you think about that? Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, the Green New Deal is something that we've tried to put in the works for a long time. Um, 
And it's finally, it's always been an idea, but it's finally great to have some substance. And there's not much to it, but it is, um, it is something. And, we, you know, we do have a climate change crisis. I know a lot of people disagree with that. Um, and you can watch us talk about climate change on episode six? Fifth. Fifth. Five. five yeah. Episode yeah, the five. Fifth, the fifth episode. Um, but yeah, so in, I really like the Green New Deal. It's a great idea. Um, and it's great to finally have something to back up the idea. Um, just to get into the specifics of the Green New Deal, one of the proponents was to to make the airline industry obsolete by developing a chain of high of, speed of high speed rail across the country, and then we're here in Hawaii, and Senator Maisie Hirono, our senator from Hawaii, one of our senators, tweeted out. That'd be a little <laughs> hard, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, so I mean, this is just something that um, people are trying to push as make, making Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez look crazy. She if is you, crazy. If you actually think that <laughs> she's, she's actually aiming, crazy. The idea is to uh, invest in high-speed rail to where it would matter most. Obviously, she says zero emissions, but the real goal is near zero emissions um, because obviously we're nowhere near um, the, techno the technology involved that would create full zero emissions. So there would still be air travel involved. We would not get rid of farting cows. Um, Although it was in the bill. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's just, you know, it's propping the idea out there. But obviously they're not going to make uh, airline travel absolutely obsolete. But if you look at the numbers, a high-speed rail from California to New York would actually be faster than going on an airplane. So that is something to look into, and it would be, it would be much greener and better for the environment. Uh, there were uh, other various things of the bill, as I mentioned earlier, the cow farts. Uh, also retrofitting and basically renovating uh, every single building in the United States. Don't know how she's going to do it, but uh, what else was there? Uh, basically taxes. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, it even mentioned um, some democratic, democratic socialist policies, but there's a lot in the oh, bill. Oh, yeah, uh, free health care. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she also proposed, uh, was it giving money to people who are unwilling to work? Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, uh, and, you know, making sure that people can get off their feet. But this is something we'll probably touch on in the climate change episode because it's yeah, kind of related. Yeah. <laughs> uh, moving right along, uh, in Venezuela, the situation is uh, <laughs> seems to be worsening. The as, reality uh, show continues. I believe the highway from Colombia into Venezuela, which is basically the highway that is used to deliver supplies AIDS, and, and yeah. aid for, uh, not AIDS, but, <laughs> <laughs> but aid, <laughs> aid, aid into the country of Venezuela. Um, it it looks like that uh, President Maduro has blocked off the highway. Yeah. Uh, he used a container, a shipping container, <laughs> and he, he used basically like a shipping container yeah. and fencing and stuff to block the highway. So there's no in, there's no commute into and out of uh, Venezuela through that way. And I think that's really terrible. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's not letting the Venezuelan people get the supplies they need, especially since the country is... Uh, you know, facing a lot of turmoil right now. Yeah, absolutely. But um, Venezuela actually has a history recently of denying aid from other countries. Oh, yeah. But I just think the most important thing is uh, that's just not, you know, we shouldn't force anything onto them because, you know, they don't pose a direct threat to us. So they just make sure that we try our best not to intervene with anything. If they don't want our aid, then they don't get our aid. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
And uh, closing off today's segment, some really interesting news. Virgin Galactic, which is basically that really big space tourism company, uh, has announced the date for the first commercial flights into Mm -hmm. space. April 11th. And um, the reason for the date is because that will be on the anniversary of the very first moon landing. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I find so interesting about this is Richard Branson, the, the owner or the CEO of the Virgin Companies, he plans himself on being part of that first trip. Right. So I mean, that makes sense. I mean, I'd want to be on that first trip, too. Yeah, But, you know, like, you know, Elon Musk, he's planned for other billionaires to go up, but not himself. So this is going to be very interesting. Yeah. And I think what I think the uh, the average ticket cost is like two hundred fifty thousand dollars. And, you know, this could be disastrous because there is already one death involved uh, in one of their their tests. Really? The most recent tests have been successful. But I believe the first time there is a death. Um, because the way it works is there's a the the actual spaceship is connected to a plane, and the plane flies up high first, and then it releases the ship, uh-huh. and then it just uses its rocket power to continue from there. Oh, yeah. wow, that's I did not know that there was one death already involved there, in the process. I might be wrong, but but uh, you know that certainly uh, sounds like uh, talk of the future. Yeah. So, you know, who knows, maybe, maybe, and you know, maybe what, 10 years, Vincent, you and me will be we'll, flying we'll up into space. Yeah. yeah, that's, <laughs> when we make it big, that's, <laughs> the moon will be our first destination. Yeah, if you guys want to see us in space, go <laughs> ahead, go ahead and go on our website, politicalpetty.com, scroll down and subscribe, uh, for, for more news and updates. Uh, if we're definitely going into space, you yeah. will receive a, a, a newsletter saying that we're going to be going into space. But so uh, yeah, be sure to go down to our website. Uh, go ahead and hit subscribe to receive weekly news and updates about the podcast. And with that, let's move right along into gun control. So the issue of gun control, that's a really hot button issue here in the U.S., especially, you know, uh, you know with the March for Our Lives, uh, David Hogg and other survivors of the Parkland shooting uh, last year. You know, they've really rallied uh, millions of people actually across the nation uh, who, who are advocating for, for more gun control laws and, and things like that. Uh, what, do, what do you think about this issue of gun control and gun violence, Vincent? Yeah, well, first of all, I think it's great that, um, you know, the young people... In, a, in America kind of go out there and they, they protest and they make their views known. Um, but it's clear uh, we rank super high in gun deaths uh, and then it's clear that we need to do something about it. Other countries, their big reforms have come after mass shootings, um, but we've had several mass shootings in the past few years and nothing really major has been done. But So I think it's really time that we take a big step forward with gun control reforms. No, yeah, for sure. Um, but... When it comes to people for me, especially with gun control, uh, you, you know, uh, uh, Vincent, you probably already know this, but conservatives like like myself and millions of other conservatives in the U.S. they they really conform with the uh, 
the, the Second Amendment. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's a huge... That's actually, I think it's the most widely debated amendment there is besides, you know, freedom of speech with hate speech yeah. and uh, various others. Uh, everybody has their own interpretation of the Second Amendment. Uh, what's your interpretation of it? Well, so the main thing is, um, I you know, as... A push students, Jensen, <laughs> <laughs> or APUS. Um, we know that the the Constitution was kind of designed to be broad and up for interpretation. I can't, I can't believe you brought that up. <laughs> but yeah. continue. Yeah. So the the Constitution was really designed um, to be kind of open ended and up for interpretation. So the you know there's a lot of debate on whether or not the Second Amendment actually guarantees the right to bear arms to you know to people because um it's lines a well-regulated militia um and then it never actually mentions anything about an individual um so there's a lot of debate about that you know i'm not i'm not too sure if the constitution actually guarantees the right to bear arms but personally i don't think it matters because um, I'm not trying to ban guns. I'm just mm -hmm. trying to add heavy reforms. I'm glad you said that because uh, <laughs> a lot of big Democrats out there really want to uh, to, to ban guns, especially with uh, Kamala Harris. Uh, mm -hmm. Recent uh, recent announcee for the uh, presidential run in 2020. Yeah. She's, she's pushed before for uh, uh, the banning of, uh, was it semi-automatic rifles? Well, semi-automatics is one thing. I'm, you know... Um, I mean, when later on when we talk about gun control in other countries, we'll probably bring up the different ideas that comes to gun reform. Mm -hmm. um, but I think as a whole, there's always you can't get rid of them completely, because then you're going to create a bigger problem. But you should, you know, heavily restrict it, and I'm, I'm sure you agree with that, right? Um, I'm I'm for restricting some things, but before we we get into the gist of things, I kind of want to just spend some time on the the Second Amendment okay. because you know it's I think it's really important that. Uh, people should understand why we have such a you know like i think we have a really huge gun culture here in the u.s especially oh, yeah, way more than in, any in other country and uh, i think that's a product of where the u.s came from mm -hmm. and what the what the constitution says uh uh for me you know vincent said that he brought up the point of the militia um we we probably have different perspectives of it because i mean later on in the second amendment it, it also says that the right of the people to keep and bear mm -hmm. arms shall not be infringed. Because, you know, there's another interpretation of it. Yeah. Uh, if you guys can go search it, you guys can find the Second Amendment anywhere on the Where, internet. Would you like me to read it out? Because I have it oh, right here. Yes, please. Okay. Enlighten um, us. Be, be warned that this is actually one of the most poorly written <laughs> amendments because it has several, like, oddly placed commas, and that's why it's really up. I think uh, that's really so how they be. wrote it back yeah. then. You know, okay, that's their so style. the Second Amendment. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So that's it. Yeah, that's basically uh, short and sweet. Yeah. Uh, that's basically the Second Amendment. But, um, you know, uh, speaking again about interpretations about it, uh, uh, I'd like to quote uh, Howard University School of Law's Professor uh, Thomas Moncure Jr. His basic uh, perspective, and I'm sure many conservatives could agree on this, is that the the right to bear arms was uh, actually derived from English common law, and it was it was focused around having uh, armed citizens to protect against abuses by the state. Uh, that's a huge talking point for a lot of conservatives like me because um, conservatives don't like big government basically, yeah. and uh, 
I think that what the ability to to maintain your arms is a good uh, defense against a tyrannical government. Um, I mean, I guess that's one way of looking at it. But then I would also say, if you look at the context of the view, we're not living in you know the 1600s where you got to worry about a, a tyrannical king. Um, we live in a pretty modern society where hopefully the government doesn't do anything too crazy. Um, and then I, I also hate to say it, but there's a lot of um, a lot of people theorize that the reason why the Second Amendment is a thing um, had to do with slavery. So a well-regulated militia having the right to bear arms would allow like uh, would allow push. groups yeah would, <laughs> it would allow groups to keep slaves in check right because if you don't allow them to bear arms um then you know revolts could happen um so that's definitely one theory is that this was written for slavery um and i think that it does make sense though um i i think we can sort of dispute that a little bit i mean we have disagreements on that um i i definitely think that you don't need an amendment in the Constitution to to help you regulate slavery because I'm sure people were already doing that well, no. armed before the Constitution was, yeah, was no, created. But, but after the Constitution, that's when everything kind of became law. And if they didn't have this in it, then, um, then you know, you kind of have less militias in the South would, ha- would have had less leeway to kind of deal, puni- deal and punish uh, like slaves, like runaway or revolting slaves. Yeah, I guess that that sort of makes sense. That's another interpretation when it comes to the Second Amendment. Um, My interpretation is that it was, uh, you know, they just came out of a war. The Founding Fathers, America, just came out of the war with a tyrannical government, you could say, which Mm -hmm. was Britain. Of course, yeah. And uh, from my perspective, uh, and from many others, a lot of conservatives share this perspective, but... um, we see the sec- the Second Amendment as a way, or the Founding Fathers made it in a way that in the future, if abuses by the state become so prevalent that the people have the right to, to defend themselves against the state if, God, forget- God forbid, it becomes tyrannical. Yeah, um, you know, ultimately, I don't, I don't think what the Second Amendment truly means matters too much because the Constitution is, um, you know, you can change it. But what I, what I think really confused people is when it says the right of the people to keep and bear arms, because you don't know if that's referring to the people of the well-regulated militia or if they're saying that as a separate thing. Um, um, you, yeah, that, you, you can, you can kind of find yeah. different you know, uh, meanings behind it. But like, if, if people are unclear about you know, the people, um, uh, I, I could give you guys this quote from George Washington, which is basically... Our first president, you know, one of the more prominent founding fathers, and he said that a free people ought to be armed. And um, he, George Washington goes even as far as to compare the right to keep and bear arms in the same importance as in the Constitution. So he compares that the right for you and me, or for you and I, to keep arms is just as important as the Constitution itself. Which is, I think that's for that. I think that helps clarify my point. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, th- there are, of course, you know, different perspectives and different opinions on it. Yeah, because, I mean, ultimately, it doesn't depend on what someone said. Because, you know, there's people on both sides of the spectrum at that time. But it just I think it depends on what the Constitution says. And that's how we, we base our law off of the Constitution and not off of, you know, some quotes. Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, our law would be terrible yeah. if we were based off of some quotes. Um, 
Yeah, but uh, the Second Amendment is definitely a, a hotly debated issue here in the United States when it definitely comes to gun control. Um, and we we have seen various forms of gun control in the U.S. Um, there was the gun control law of 1986, I believe, 1968, uh, the gun control mm-hmm. law of 1968. Um and I think that's that's really one of the more prominent forms of gun control we've seen, which it basically um, prohibits persons under 18 years of age, convicted criminals, mentally disabled, and dishonorably discharged military personnel and others from purchasing firearms. Um, but we, you know, we've seen we've seen many other forms of gun control here in the U.S. And you know, uh, what are what are your what are you looking for in gun control within the U.S.? Yeah, so I'm looking for something more extensive. So what you know, what we have right now is kind of like the basic, you know, like no convicted felons who have been sentenced with at least a year, no people in mental facilities, that kind of thing. It's kind of like common sense, but I think we could go much further. Um, like it's actually. It's actually pretty easy to get a gun in America in you know after the age of eighteenth and only seventy eight percent of gun sales um are required to have background checks so that means that twenty two percent of all gun sales are done without background checks and I think that's a big problem. I think one of the biggest things we can do is push for a universal background check system um and have all guns to be uh registered under the government uh you know government system. Um, and something that we could copy from other countries would be, I know Australia has about a 30-day wait time because, you know, that, that's how long they take to look at someone's background. Um, having every gun to be required, and if you want to buy a gun, have it required to be under a license and make the license hard to get. Um, I, I know in, an, in one, I believe it's Japan, you have, you have to pass, you have to have a 95% shooting accuracy in a, in a range <laughs> test. Was it a so. video game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, there's a bunch of reforms we can take. Um, when, it, when it comes to reforms, uh, I'm certainly for more universal background checks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's actually like a must-have when it comes to, to purchasing anything like a gun. Like, course, I mean, like yeah. not just guns, but, uh, you know, fireworks. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, basically things that could do damage. extensive harm and damage mm-hmm. to, to people. Um, but for me, a huge issue is whether or not a criminal record or something that can affect the purchasing of a firearm is entered into the database um, in ample time. Uh, I can bring up an example. So uh, a gunman uh, on November 5th, 2017, a gunman identified as Devin Patrick Kelly. Uh, he opened fire at a Sunday service in a Texas church and he was he killed 26 people. And uh, he he used the AR-15, which is a really big, yeah. you know, a, a hotly debated weapon uh, in in the gun control debate today. But um, Mr. Kelly was actually in the Air Force, mm-hmm. and he was convicted of assaulting his wife and breaking his infant stepson's skull. Jeez. And uh, he was an airman first class, and he was sentenced to twelve months confinement. And he was his rank. He was demoted to the lowest possible rank in the Air Force, basically. Okay. And then in 2014, two years later, uh, Mr. Kelly received a a bad a bad conduct discharge from the Air Force. So basically, a dishonorable discharge. Mm-hmm. And then two years later, in 2016, or sometime between 2016 and 2017, uh, Mr. Kelly purchased two firearms: one in 2016 and one in 2017, in San Antonio. And he actually passed 
a federal background check in yeah. those, in both of those cases. And on November 5th, Mr. Mr. Kelly kills the 26 people in the Texas church. Now actually this actually could have all been prevented because the Air Force actually admitted that it had failed to enter Mr. Kelly's domestic violence conviction into the federal database. Mm -hmm. And if they had actually entered that, he would have been barred from buying the, those rifles in, 27, in 2016 and 2017. Yeah, I mean, I think me and you most definitely agree on that that thing. You know, we, we got to hold people accountable. And I think that's why universal background checks are so important. Um, and we need to just be able to have everything in the database and make sure that those who can't get a gun are not allowed to get a gun. Because like, like you said, even though 22% of people buy guns without a background check, there are still some terrible people who like are um, clearly not, you know, not well to carry a gun, that, but they still packed past a background mm -hmm. check so um yeah so uh when it comes with universal background checks uh i'm also for you know checking for any mental illness mm -hmm. because i think a huge part of it uh i know like the left and liberals and i don't know if you if you um do this but uh, a lot of them like to like to basically i like to call it blaming the gun whereas i think that if the person was mentally ill he could have gotten help before this mm -hmm. all would have went down um you know I think mental illness is a huge part when it comes down to gun violence only because, you know, they're mentally unstable. Um, they, they're acting irrationally. And I think that if we can get them help, um, that could greatly reduce um, mass shootings that we see that are spurred because of these mentally ill people receiving guns, even though they pass background checks. Yeah, exactly. You know, we really got to tighten up the, uh, the background checks. You know, other countries, they go so as far as interviewing those that are close to the person right um and i'm not saying we go that strict but we definitely gotta um make sure that everything is good yeah for sure um do you what do you think of other like uh, uh gun control uh, proponents uh in the u.s especially with you know kabbalah harris who's proposed uh, a semi-automatic uh, rifle ban mm -hmm. uh, especially there's a lot there's been a lot of heated discussion in recent years over the ar-15 Mm -hmm. uh, being used uh, in self-defense or even being legal at all. Yeah, so uh, personally, I think that at the federal level, we should make like the the highest grade weapon, like a semi-automatic weapon. Um, um, I don't think you should be able to publicly hold it. I think. I think. I think assault. I think automatic weapons are already. They're already yeah. prohibited. Well, no, right? but I mean, like even like con I'm against concealed carrying. Oh, you're public. against concealed carry. Yeah, I think you have to keep it in either at home in the like for hunting or at the shooting range. Um, but I think at federal federal level, that should be the base standard. And others, I think we should allow other states to expand further on that. So there might be like a smaller, more, you know, quote unquote, peaceful state who would be for banning semi-automatics. But I think at the federal level, we should keep it um, at allowing most semi-automatic weapons. I mean, I guess we could we could talk about concealed carry here for a second, mm -hmm. but um, you know what? It, uh, let me just throw this factoid out real quick. So, like, the number of concealed carry has has increased significantly uh, over the past years, and uh, all the while we've seen the the crime, the overall crime of the U.S. drop by nearly fifty percent, mm -hmm. while concealed carry permits have have risen. Um, I, I certainly am for concealed carry. 
as long as it's the hands as long as it's in the hands of of some of a good samaritan or just somebody without any you know mal mal intentions uh with the gun uh yeah i mean personally when it comes to concealed carrying i'm you know I'm, i'm open to arguments but i think the biggest thing is we shouldn't expand access to concealed carry right um if anything we should restrict it um and so you know we just you know i don't personally i don't think it's that big of a deal because if it's concealed then theoretically you should never <laughs> you should never see the gun right yeah um but i just think we should keep it at a minimum um you know keeping it at a minimum i don't know about that um but uh you know it'd be great if we could actually expand more on the issues of mental illness yeah uh, when it comes to to purchasing goods i mean uh according to to grad du who's a criminologist from baylor university and he's also uh he's also part of the minnesota department of corrections um almost all mass shooters in recent history have had an extensive history of of mental problems yeah um i think if we can expand uh greater aid to those who are mentally ill i think that that would definitely help with this issue of gun violence in, in the u.s yeah i think everybody's kind of for uh helping the mentally ill um and something that i would propose that's part of the universal background checks is so let's say you yourself is trying to buy a gun you're a perfect you know you don't you don't have a record you're, you don't have mental illness you're not a criminal but then let's say your brother who lives with you has a mental illness i would say that the background check would therefore not allow that person to have a gun because then you're kind of putting it in the you're you're allowing the brother who has mental illness to Mm. access it so when it comes to background checks i think it has to be something super extensive like that to even if someone that's close to you or lives with you if they're the ones that's a criminal and a problem we should kind of keep it out of their hands um, well, I think this. I think that point really comes down to a responsibility issue, when it comes to the to the buyer of the gun. Of course. Um, I mean, I think we. I think this happened with. Uh, how did the the Parkland shooter get his weapons? Do I'm not know? sure, but I know the Sandy Hook. The son got it from the mom. Yeah, yeah, that that's the one. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that was. I think the person to blame is definitely the mom. Mm-hmm. And I think when when you have a when you when you live in a household with somebody who is mentally unstable. Or who who's received treatment in previous years for mental illness, um, I don't think that you should necessarily deprive that person of purchasing the firearm, mm-hmm. even though their relative is has experience with mental illness. I think that it's more of the res- I think the responsibility is more upon the person purchasing it, where you you should you should incentivize that person not to not to keep that firearm out in the open. You should encourage them to purchase a gun locker. You should encourage them to put it in a place where it's not easily accessible and the person who purchases it is the only one who can get to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so something else we could do with that is many countries provide, I mean, require you to provide uh, them with where you're gonna store your gun, right? So you have to like prove that you, you have a safe locked up cabinet where you're gonna keep it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is something that we could do, but I feel that if you know we gotta we gotta make sure that we keep the guns out of the hands of people that are mentally mentally ill. So like you kind of brought up the question: Is it the people or is it the guns? Right? Uh-huh. I I kind of argue that it's the system. It's our system that's kind of broken because um, guns are so unrestricted that it's really easy for anyone to get a gun. 
Um, and so that's the biggest thing. We just got to, I know I keep saying it, but we really got to tighten up security when it comes to background checks. And there's a several different ways to do it. Um, and later on, when we talk about how different countries do it, what kind of prop up ideas on how that would be accomplished. Uh-huh, yeah, for, uh, for sure. Um, you know, tightening up uh, the the sort of security show around guns, I'm not so sure, but I'm sure with the implementation of, of more universal background checks, mm-hmm. I think that'll definitely help um, decrease the amount of, of shootings we see. Um, but I also think that a huge part of this gun violence debate is is the issue within poorer communities of, of the U.S. Um, we, we've seen it in Chicago. Um, I'm not going to get into the whole gun law thing with Chicago, but I'm going to say that the the culture uh, in the poorer cities of the U.S. have tend to have higher rates of gun violence, yeah. especially with um, extremely high rates of black-on-black crime, um, mm-hmm. with gangs and, you know, uh, kids who get enveloped into this whole entire system yeah. where they can't get out and they're kind of forced to, to join these gangs in the in the poorer communities where we see huge rates of black on black crime which then spurs on more gun violence in more areas of the u.s yeah so that kind of thing you know it, it kind of ties into a bunch of variables so i would argue that many of those uh like you know we see it in a lot of inner cities when gangs and gun violence is high it's usually connected to drugs right like gangs that sell drugs um and then so (laughs) you would go back to hey let's say decriminalizing drugs so we can take drugs out of the the gang's hands right um and then you know that could help with the problem um but you know the biggest thing that's kind of interesting is that america really is like a super big gun culture country like more so than any other nation um, so we have 120 guns per 100 residents, which is crazy. The second highest country, Yemen, only has 55 uh, guns per 100 citizens. Um, and so that, you know, that kind of stems from deep roots with guns in our country. Um, and some people would point out that with that, that means that gun control wouldn't work. Uh, I'm curious what you think about that. Um, what like with putting guns into people's hands? Or well, no, just the fact that people are saying, oh well, you know, we're our our culture is so revolved around guns that stricter gun control laws wouldn't work. I mean, I disagree uh, with that. Obviously, I mean, yeah, but. yeah, I, I would I would disagree that our gun culture has caused all of this gun violence. Okay. I mean, uh, you know, when you look at the Swiss. I think their gun culture is actually, I think they have a better, they have a much more, they have a huger gun culture than the U.S. Because um, for the Swiss, uh, every citizen basically has a gun. I'm not sure if it's more than the U.S. because, you know, the no, Swiss. The U.S. is far and away the number one yeah, yeah, when it comes to. But, yeah. you know, when it comes to population, uh, the Swiss, every every household basically has a gun. And also, the Swiss, uh Every citizen there is basically mandated to serve in uh, in the military because you know the Swiss are notorious for being neutral yeah. in basically every major world conflict, and they actually they don't have a a huge standing army. What they do is, um, you know, with the with the aid of the Alps, basically as a natural barrier, the Swiss are actually trained with their firearms they are trained each person is mandated to go every month to a firing range where they receive where they receive mandated government aid in uh, you know accuracy drills and stuff and they're also trained in times where the swiss 
uh, you know, nation is under attack, every citizen is actually called up to serve in the military because, you know, they already have military training. They'd already have, you know, the weapons in their house. And um, basically, I think that this all comes down to the, the level of awareness that we raise uh, about guns in the communities. Because you see, you see with the Swiss, the the awareness and the everybody receives proper training and awareness, and their actually their gun crime levels aren't aren't actually high at yeah. all. They're actually it's very low. It's very low. Yeah. And I think that w- with them receiving you know the proper awareness, how to use a gun, how to you know when to keep the safety on and off of the trigger. Uh, I think that if we can bring more awareness and more training and more, you know, uh, that would really help alleviate the situation within the inner cities as well as overall in the United States. Yeah, but um, this w- one main thing to clarify, um, I'm not sure if every Swiss household has a gun because I know that America almost doubles the next country when it comes to um, amount of guns owned per uh, like so like you know we have 120 guns per 100 the next is 55 to 100 but I was gonna bring something similar up of Germany so Germany very similarly to Swiss is very big on guns um, but at the same time they have one of the strictest gun laws in all of Europe and they actually have some of the lowest gun death rates at uh, 0.7, 0.7 per 100,000 um, 0.7 gun deaths per 100,000 people and that's that's really low throughout the uh, throughout the world, and so Germany, they they actually what one thing they do is not only are there gun licenses, but each type of gun has its own license. So there's a license for this type of gun, a license for this type of gun, um, and there's extensive background checks, and you also have to provide a really good reason for owning a gun, and that's I think that's one thing that's important that we don't utilize enough in America. Um, so often people say, oh, I'm grabbing a gun for self-defense. In many other countries, including Germany, um, self-defense is not a valid reason for owning a gun. So you have to come up with a better reason, such as hunting, that kind of thing. Semi-automatics in Germany are heavily restricted. Um, so, But yeah, what, your point about training, that definitely is something that we have to look at. And I would say make licenses required for all gun purchases and have that license needed to be Re- renewed every few years and have retraining to make mm-hmm. sure that the people that behind the guns are responsible. Uh, you, know, I'm sure. Uh, I know that a lot of actually firearm dealers actually require that the uh, uh, purchasers uh, take a week of gun safety courses at their age. I'm not sure if it's. I. I it's, it's not, not required. Yeah, yeah exactly. it's not required. Yeah, so but not, I'm sure. Know. I'm sure a large uh, a large number of uh, you know gun gun sellers require that, but. Uh, when it comes to Germany's situation, uh, I'm I'm not, I don't agree with uh, self defense being a a you know exactly. n- not an eligible uh, oh, oh, you option. Disagree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I, I disagree mm-hmm. with with that premise only because, um, like how how would they even know that there would be using that gun for hunting? Because you could just say you could just say you're using it for hunting, but you could just be using it for self defense, and yeah. you wouldn't take that gun out for hunting a day yeah. of its life. You know, of course. But the point is just to put that out there, right? Because to say that you know we're we're not going to give you a gun if you're just doing it for self defense. You have to actually provide a real reason, and whether or not that can be verified, um, that's a different question. You can probably easily get around that. But the point is that you have that that the the terminology there to clarify. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Um, 
you know, this this actually kind of segues into to gun control policies within other countries. Um, you know, as as you mentioned earlier, some notable countries are actually Japan. Uh, you know, with its, I think it's actually great that they uh, they they kind of force their their citizens to have what was it, a ninety percent accuracy 95. rate, ninety five percent accuracy rate, and I think that's that's actually kind of I don't know if that would be that if that would work mm-hmm. in the U S. Uh, I don't know how accurate American citizens are with their guns. But, well, you know that that is an interesting point, though. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, there's also other countries, uh, such as the UK and Australia, and actually, um, the UK and Australia have actually enacted some pretty big gun oh, bans yeah, absolutely, in recent yeah. in recent history. Yeah. So, um, in the UK, uh, back in I want to say the 80s or something back in the 80s they banned like automatic and semi-automatic guns but then in 1997 they banned a lot of handguns um so there's very few guns that you can get you can get certain rifles hunting rifles that type of thing but the biggest thing in the uk is that you it requires hours of paperwork in order to get a license and then you have to re renew your license every five years um so shotguns and rifles are legal but then you 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 have to prove you have to show them that you have a you know a, a cabinet for your gun and it's like locked up, um, and so the UK has much lower rates of gun death gun deaths than the US, but almost every country does. I want to say Mexico, Estonia, and a couple uh, other countries. I'm not sure about Mexico, but no, Mexico is like higher. Is you know, oh, oh, it's, yeah, it's way yeah, higher. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, that's true. The the UK after its its gun ban. Uh, did see it, it? It did see the the overall uh, gun death, uh, you know, statistics lower after the gun ban. But actually, what happened was the actual overall crime rate spiked right after mm-hmm. the right after the the gun ban. Um, see, to me, I I don't think that banning guns is a solution, as mentioned earlier. Uh, I think that more statistics when it comes or like uh, more solutions when it comes to background checks. Um, mental illness checks, but uh, um, what I see it as, if if the criminal can't get a gun, he's gonna obviously use something else. Well, I mean that's an interesting uh, point that you prop up, but something I'd like to note is that uh, homicides are much higher in the U.S. than any other country, and even those countries that have. So, for instance, Japan, it's almost impossible to get a gun. They have a point. 0.29 homicides per 100,000 people while the US has 0.382. So it's um yeah, I mean I've heard that statement where well, if you get rid of guns and other forms of weapons are going to be brought up, but the point is guns are the most easy to use, most effective. So if you if you make it harder to get guns, then killing people becomes much harder as a whole. I mean when it when it comes to to easy to use, uh I'm <laughs> I, I'm sure there are other ways of killing somebody that is, oh gosh, well, they sound cynical, but there, there are certainly other ways. I mean, for instance, uh, Democrats and liberals uh, like to point out that that we should, or they should, they should ban like AR-15s, mm-hmm. uh, semi-automatics like that, um, because it would, it would help lower the amount of, of, of deaths in the United States of, of homicides. But when it comes to to batting rifles such as the AR-15. Uh, actually, rifles only account for 3% of all homicides in, in, involving firearms. And also, not, not even that, 
um, when it comes to batting semi-automatic semi-automatic rifles like the AR-15, it's actually handguns, semi-automatic mm-hmm. handguns that are actually that are, are the leading cause when it comes to, to gun deaths in in the U.S. And not even that, but a person is three a person is more likely to be bludgeoned to death by a blunt object than to be killed by a gun. Um, did you mean by a uh, a semi-automatic weapon or by a gun? Uh, by a oh semi-automatic okay. yeah yeah so actually in the UK shotguns and rifles are actually um, were are legal and it was handguns that was the main priority as well as other semi semi-automatic weapons um, but the thing that people like to point out about semi-automatic weapons is if you look at a bunch of mass shootings the reason why many of them were so effective in killing so many people was because even though they had um, just like of, you know, not that much time. The the weapon was so effective that they could really do a lot of damage. Um, and so obviously, no one's saying that increased gun control is going to stop gun violence. Kamala but, Harris thinks that. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, no, I, mean, I don't like Kamala Harris, but no, no rational person would think that. But if we look around the world, um, most other uh, industrialized countries have far more strict gun laws than we do. And their, you know, their gun death rates are about one fifth of what ours ours is, and their homicide rates as a whole are about one third. Um, and so we should follow that. We should look at those statistics and say, hey, we should make it harder to get guns because even though you can never truly end gun violence, you can definitely reduce it by making gun ref- gun control much stricter. Um, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, there's a certain point where where I agree when it comes to making uh. Where, where it comes to making uh, buying guns harder. But um, I think a huge issue is also stolen guns, which mm-hmm. which is a huge issue. Um, because, uh, you see, the, the amount of stolen guns that have been reported to the FBI have actually increased over the past year. Uh, in, 20, in 2005, we saw 140,000 uh, we saw 140,000 guns, stolen guns reported to the FBI. And then the number actually rose in 2017. It's been a steady rise to 200 and about 30,000 guns that have that have been uh, reported to the FBI as stolen. Um, and I think this comes down to, again, our, our talking point earlier about, you know, the responsibility yeah, issue when it comes to, to lock, making sure those guns are safe. I think a huge aspect of this gun violence thing and especially with mass shootings is that these stolen guns are contributing to a whole lot of to a whole lot of crime that is going on in the u.s yeah so you know you you said it responsibility really is the main thing um so for you know it should i think that it should be uh, mandated that you have a safe locked up place to store your gun but the bottom line is we can't count on everyone to be responsible right because you know people are still gonna you know, you, you can lock up your things, you can lock your house, but every, you know, every day, every minute, there's robberies that are going on. Um, and so just locking up a gun, while it helps, it's not doing enough. So I, we do, I do believe that limiting the guns that are put out there, making, uh, making it harder to get guns overall would really um, benefit the society. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, bringing it back to the, uh, to the UK, uh, so the UK did have that huge that huge gun ban, but the the actual the rate the the gun violence rate for the UK was actually already decreasing, uh, before the buyback or not the buyback but like the 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 ban. Mm-hmm. 
However, when the ban was enacted, as I mentioned earlier, the violence rate spiked. It actually it it happened to Ireland as well. Ireland actually suffered the f- the same fate as as the UK when Ireland actually banned uh, guns as well, and they they faced the same results where actually overall violence increased. And I, I guess that kind of comes back to to my point where I'm talking about, you know, if if criminals can't get access to a to a method of committing a crime, they'll they're criminals. They'll just find another way. Yeah. So well, my my question to you is: Does that mean that we don't try to? No, I mean I I proposed earlier that ab- about universal background checks, but I'm I'm talking about these big gun bans yeah. that have been proposed. I'm not I'm not against trying cuz mm-hmm. you know I, I advocate for more universal background checks. I'm just against these huge uh you know gun bans especially like the buy, the buyback which we saw in Australia which mm-hmm. was actually extremely ineffective it, because Oh, that's actually wrong. They were very effective. No, it was effective in lowering gun gun homicides and gun crime, but it was ineffective in reducing the overall crime rate. Well, the biggest thing you like to point to um overall crime rates going um, up in those countries, which isn't necessarily true. So in the UK, it did spike in the beginning, but then it went back down. It's actually at one of its lowest rates right now. But then if you know, it's clear that we have a huge problem because like I said earlier, we have about four homicides per 100,000 people not gun homicides, but homicides of any kind. Mm-hmm. The UK has just under one per 100,000 people. So they're about one fourth of us. And Australia, um, Australia has about, Point seven. Oh no! Yeah, they have about one per one hundred thousand homicides. So it's clear that they're doing a much better job at preventing um, murders or homicides than we are. Um, and I would say that that is correlated to gun control, because you know how else would you explain? Like, do we have a, a homicide culture in America? Is that how you would explain it? Because the way I see it, I just see that they do a much better uh, job of restricting guns, um, and therefore it makes it makes it much harder for people to, you know, do dangerous acts such as killing other people. Yeah, um, for sure. But uh, bringing up the, the UK homicide statistics, actually, the definition of, of a homicide in the UK is actually, <laughs> actually, the definition of a homicide throughout the entire world is is, is different depending on uh, depending on, on where you are. But with the, with, with the gun buybacks and, you know, the gun bans in the UK, um, the... The definition of homicide when it came to the statistics regarding uh, homicides in the UK are are, are a little iffy. Uh, um, so figures for crimes labeled as homicide in 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 these in the UK um, were adjusted to exclude any cases which do not result in conviction, or whether the person is not prosecuted on grounds of self defense. And as a result, that actually reduces the apparent number of homicides by 13% or 15%. And um, also, uh, in some cases, when it came to homicide, they would only include murders, which mm. would exclude manslaughter and other homicides, which are, which are different from the case of murder. Um, and also, the Irish government lists homicides as actually the, the very same statistic that it lists as murders where it excludes other figures so i I do think when it comes to to i think definition is also a huge part because um mass shooting uh the word mass shooting there's no legal definition of the word mass shooting 
Uh, uh, well, yeah, I mean, but that, I mean, that varies from, I mean, the general consensus now is three people killed or more. It was four earlier, but I think yeah, they changed yeah. it. That's like the, the, I think that's, that's probably the obvious, the more obvious yeah. general terminology. But I mean, but that's not kid ourselves. Like, so we rank extremely high, about four per 100,000 people. If you look, almost every other uh, major well-known country is way below that, not a little bit under, it's way. So that's not, we're not, you know, that, that you're trying to claim that the United States um, is using the more accurate definition of homicides. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to claim that the U.S. is trying to use the more accurate definition. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying that definitions all across the world can be bloated. It can be different from the U.S. I'm not trying to make the U.S. seem innocent when it comes to homicide because well, I yeah, think I homicide can, across the board is terrible. Well, I mean, so the I can point to one where the U.S. is guilty at that, too. Um, I said that 64 of all American homicides are gun-related, but that excluded several different factors. So um, a, a more accurate study said that it was about 73%, but that, that can't be used because of the certain killings that they excluded. So I think overall, of course, when it comes to statistics, there's always going to be some um, over, under, you know, like it's not going to be 100% accurate, but you just look at the data and we we are terrible when it comes to gun violence and overall violence when you compare it to other countries. Yeah, when it comes when it comes to gun violence, um, definitely gun violence is huge. You know, you just pointed out that was sixty six percent. Yeah, uh, so somewhere about. around there uh, is is related to to homicides and stuff compared to but England, which is four point five, Australia but that's, thirteen. That's, that's that's part of you know that's actually not part of the, actually the majority of gun related deaths in the U S, which is suicides. Mm -hmm. which is two-thirds of all gun-related deaths in the U.S. are suicides, according to the CDC, Yeah, which is uh, also a huge part of gun violence, which is why we see gun violence in the U.S. so bloated because of these suicide rates. Uh, but, yeah, if you actually look at um, data, so our homicide rates, when accounted for... So our homicide rates are still way higher than every other country, while our suicide rates are even worse. So, for instance... Um, a country like uh, Finland, their combined homicide uh, gun deaths and suicide gun deaths are about equal to our homicide, while our combined suicide and homicide are about two and a half times. So, um, I, you know, we, every country actually has a surprisingly high suicide gun death rate, like way more than the homicide rate. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that we're still way worse. It doesn't bloat the numbers because... I don't believe that they take that into account when it comes to homicides. Um, um, suicides? Yeah, I, I mean, sometimes they do, but there's different uh, graphs and data that... So sometimes they don't, but overall it's still the same thing where we're double, triple, or quadruple, or five times as much as other countries when it comes to gun deaths. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, I mean, but I, I wouldn't... I wouldn't say that it's it's a really bad thing uh, when the U.S. is compared to other countries only because there's also that huge issue of population. You know, Finland... But it's per 100,000 people, though. So the ratio... For, yeah, for no, it's deaths per 100,000 people. So the, the percentage... So how much, how much is like Finland's, for example? Okay, so their homicide rate, um, and there's no numbers here, it looks to be about 0 0.3, 0 0.4, and the suicide is about 3.4. While the USA's homicide rate um, is 2.8, while the suicide combined is about nine. So this this data it it separates homicides from suicides. Um, I've seen other data where it's kind of combined, 
So it's kind of you know it's uh, the numbers. Yeah, can the be, data is iffy. I mean, but it, you know, but still, by um, any general consensus, is that we're way above when it comes to violence and gun violence than most other countries. Well, I guess to to sort of finish this off, um, when it comes to to homicide statistics and stuff, as mentioned earlier when we were talking, uh, data can be iffy. Uh, you know, uh, some something might say that, something might say that. It, it all takes, but it, you have to take into account like you know different metrics that have to be measured. Especially you know, um, Vincent brought up this. Uh, I brought up the suicide rate. Vincent brought up uh, you know uh, the statistics of homicide per one hundred thousand people. Um, you know, this is why we encourage you guys to to do your own research mm-hmm. with, uh, from these debates. You know, don't take it from us, two high schoolers. <laughs> uh, you know, j- d- debating about politics, but. Um, yeah, I guess sort of to close this off, uh, gun control is a really it's it's a it's a really hot issue, especially yeah. you know it's a, it's also a really emotionally driven issue here in the mm-hmm. U.S. Because you know there there are some people and even people in my family that really care about guns. Um, I mean, I have a cousin and uncle; they're big hunters, and I'll tell you, like they're some of the most responsible gun owners. Like you know, everything's locked up. The the key is attached to a giant keychain where you yeah. don't know which is the correct yeah, see, key. See, those those are the kind of people yeah. that you wanna you, you don't wanna take guns away from. But yeah, because yeah, you know, they deserve this, they're hunters. Yeah, these good you know these good Americans. But when it comes to the, to to the situation where a background check, uh, or a non extensive background check, uh, basically fails, where you give somebody who's mentally ill, yeah, you know, a, a weapon. Uh, I think that's 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 definitely huge. I think when it comes to gun control, there is a you have to find the perfect balance between restricting guns to the point where it's at its safest, but not too much to where um, the public gets upset. Because there mm-hmm. are always going to be people that want guns because yeah. there's hunters. You know, that's an American thing. It's an Amer- guns are part of the American culture, and you got to take that mm-hmm. into account. Uh, you know, I guess kind of kind of to close off. Uh, you know, this 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 episode. Uh, I like to, from my side, I like to end off on a quote from, you know, famous Italian philosopher uh, Niccolo Machiavelli. Um, he basically said, uh, "When you disarm the people, you commence to offend them and show that you distrust them, either through cowardice or or lack of confidence. And both of these opinions generate hatred." Uh, I uh, I don't know. Uh, well, you know, Niccolo Machiavelli was uh, from a long time ago. Um, but I think that definitely plays into to today's politics regarding gun control, uh, because uh, you know you definitely don't want to put, you, you don't want to sacrifice uh, the ability for good people out there, like your family members, mm-hmm. Vincent, the good responsible gun owners out there. You don't want to sacrifice, you don't want to sacrifice their ability, to, you know, to maintain a, to maintain their rights to have guns, whereas you're sacrificing that ability just because of, you know, somebody who's made a, a bad decision. But but ultimately, I I always, 10 times out of 10, I'll make it, um, I'll make life worse for a good gun-owning um, Samaritan if that means that the general society will be safer. I'm not saying ban all guns, but if I have to make life harder and make it um, much tougher to get a gun while making um america a safer place i'll, I'll always I'll, I'll take that yeah i would actually certainly take that as as well uh and that's a great way to to close off episode three uh gun control here on the political penny uh so vincent before we end off today real quick what, what what's your goal for our viewers you know, or for our list our listeners i'm gonna uh, throw this one at you jensen because i can't <laughs> think of anything well uh hey you know what guys so 
our first week goal was to to go ahead and give give somebody who has different opinions other than you uh, a hug. Uh, and then last week's goal, Vincent, you proposed it. It was to to find middle ground yeah. with uh, with somebody who who had different uh, opinions. opinions than you. Um, you know what? This week, uh, to to all you conservatives or liberals out there, I encourage you guys this week to to go ahead and, and read read something Ooh, that's that's, that's talking about you know the opposite of your the opposite of your you know beliefs. So basically, if you're a conservative out there, go ahead and and go on CNN.com, read an article. Go on go on the New York Times, read our heck. Go to the Washington Post. <laughs> And that's read an a, article. That's a really good one. And you know what? Liberals out there, to follow suit, I want you to watch one PragerU video. Oh, yeah, oh, oh <laughs> also hit up that Fox News to all you mm-hmm. to all you liberals listening. And enjoy yourselves. Yeah, uh, it's, it's hard. I <laughs> it, mean, it's it hard really, for me sometimes. I, I, I'm sure it's I hard for you. Jensen does a better job of it. I see him watching stuff like CNN. I... I can't do it. it. Just you know, it boils my blood. Yeah, I, but know. hey, you know, it's it's definitely hard. But hey, it doesn't hurt to try, guys. It You're it not gonna hurt. die. Well, gonna uh, get upset. that's a good way to end <laughs> off today's episode, guys. Don't forget to listen to us and subscribe to us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and also do not forget to go to our website, politicalpetty.com. dot com. Go ahead and scroll down, enter in your email, and subscribe to receive weekly news updates and uh, basically uh, whatever is going on in the lives of me and Vincent, and especially regarding our podcast. And when you're down there, please make sure to send us a message. You know, tell us what planet you want us to see <laughs> in ten years when we take the Virgin Galactic flight yeah. to space. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, don't don't be afraid to to give us a, a message, uh, saying how we can improve this podcast. Uh, you know, we're here for you guys. Uh, we're doing this. You know, uh, our philosophy is to encourage you know people out there to find middle ground with people who may have opposite opinions from you. And uh, you know, for sh- be sure to to you know keep us in check. Go ahead and message us. Give us improvements that we can do to the show. And uh, yeah, we're open to, to everything. Mm-hmm. So with that, guys, we're going to go ahead and close today's episode. Episode three, Gun Control. I am Jensen Ahokovi. And I'm Vincent Jones. And thank you for tuning in to the Political Petty. We'll see you guys next week. Been taking my time when they speeding off writing and signing these deals they supposed to I don't get motivation for something I wanna pursue spitting hotter than toaster Saturday grinding I'm better off sitting